From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Happy to bring in Jason Campbell, Auburn legendary quarterback, uh, works for the Auburn Radio Network and also has his own podcast now. Uh, is it Believe uh, is what it's called? Believe in Auburn football? Yeah, Believe in Auburn football is B-L-E-A-V and then in Auburn. And uh, it's under Jason Campbell and Taylor Beth Davis. If you go to Believe.com, uh, you, you'll find our podcast on there. Okay, great. Well, uh, Jason, um, just what are your thoughts so far on this season? Auburn 5-0, and Bo Nix seemingly growing into his role, just had a career game, of course, uh, against Mississippi State. What do you think of this Auburn team so far? Well, you look at this team, the way they've grown from uh, from the first game to to the Mississippi State game. I think the one thing with Bo is, I think the one thing with Bo is the way he's has taken care of the football. Uh, you know, he's grown tremendously in that aspect. I think a lot of it is he's coming high school and uh, he's trying to, well, you're used to making every play. <laughs> you know, he can run around and get a play. I think he understands the first game that, hey, I don't have to make every play. You know, I have a great defense. I got, you know, guys around me that can make plays. Let me just make sure I don't put the defense in a bad position on giving the other team a short field. So I think for him, his growth of not turning the football over over these last few weeks has, has been uh, has been outstanding. And I think he's starting to fit into Gus's offense. I always say Gus' offense works when you have a running and a dual threat quarterback. If you look at Cam Nick Marshall, having a dual threat quarterback really helps out his offense. And uh and when I look at our defense on the side of our defense, you know, this is what I expect. You know, those guys Marlon Davidson coming back and then you got big cat Brian and then you got uh, uh Derek Brown and, and different guys and so and Truesdale. So those guys are doing an outstanding job creating pressure on the opposing team. You know, Bo, of course, just had that career night against Mississippi State and is one of only three quarterbacks in Auburn history uh, to throw for 300 and rush for 300. Cam Newton and yourself are included on that list. Uh, what did you think of Bo's performance in that game? Yeah, I thought he, he had a, a really good game. Uh, you know, he did a really good job on the keepers or he got to read the ends or sometimes the linebackers. And I think he did a good job of holding the ball into the, the stomach of the running back to the last second, making sure they collapsed onto the running back and he was able to keep the ball. And then the one thing he's really doing well is he's he's giving Seth Williams and he's giving uh, Sam Canella and those guys an opportunity to go up and high point the ball because both of those guys are big, tall guys. And, uh, you know, they're – DBs are not as tall as they are, so he's giving those guys a great opportunity to go up and come down with those big catches, and uh, and that's all you can ask, you know, to give your receiver a chance. And I think they've built a connection where they kind of have some chemistry together. Um, Hastings, I think the thing that's also helping them out is the depth of our receiving core. You know, having Swartz back, Swartz is you know he's a track star, but at the same time, having him back every time he goes in motion, it forces the defense to have to put their eyes on him. And we sometimes can have them to lose sight of Bo and Whitlow in the backfield doing the read stuff because they're concerned if they're going to hand the ball off to Swartz or they're going to do a play-action pass to him because of his speed. So 
I think with those guys and getting Eli Stove and Hastings back has really created a lot of depth at that position for us, which is paying dividends. Well, Auburn now is going into Florida. I mean, somewhere that the Auburn program hasn't been since 2007. All the all these players now were, you know, yeah, you know, not even in their teenage years, <laughs> yeah, you know. Teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bo, like, hey, I remember watching you growing up, man. I was such a huge fan, and like, guys, I was like, Bo, you must have been like at that time four. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that weird? Isn't that weird through the years how you got players that you're talking to now and everything on the sidelines and and before games and you're like, wow, this guy was maybe like three or four years old when I was playing. Right, three or four years old, and then they come up, yeah, man, I remember you like at three and four, <laughs> like you know, your parents was, was big Auburn fans, and then uh, yeah, so it just it's. Uh, like last week, you know, just having a couple of guys on t- on our set at the radio show, you know, just talking to them and everything. Uh, like Deshaun Davis, he was uh, trying to compare, you know, their defense to our defense back in 04 and, and everything. I was just like, Deshaun, you was probably at that time 10 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of unique, though, that, you know, the talk history with those guys and to know that they kind of did you know, watch yeah. you growing up. Well, that's the thing with Deshaun and, and Bo. I would think maybe more than anybody at their age, they probably do understand those teams uh, because they're such historians and they've studied tape. They've watched tape. They've gone back and watched those games and everything. But um, right. it, it is a little weird. <laughs> like, hey, let me tell you how you did, uh, you know, right. <laughs> 16 years ago. Um, so, I mean, you've been to the Swamp, what, twice um, yourself? Swamp. Did we play there twice? I think. Or once, yeah. once, once, once. No, we played there once. Uh, you, you got them at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2002, we lost at the end. Uh, we was on the, like, the five-yard line to kick a field goal to win the game, and we kind of low-kicked it. And it yeah. Our, yeah. And we went in overtime and lost. What do you remember about that experience in the Swamp? I know things have changed, obviously, with programs, but one thing that doesn't really change in the SEC is – crowd noise and atmosphere right, unless right. you do a big uh you know a big uh expansion of your stadium but the swamp is pretty much the swamp still right the swamp is uh it's one of it's one of the coolest places to play at um they do that swaying back and forth uh kind of the start of the fourth quarter and yeah I, I think they do it to make the opposing team um <laughs> make the opposing team dizzy so i used to try not to look up to it <laughs> but uh <laughs> it is a unique. It gets very loud, but it's a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, that's what you come to Auburn for. You know, that's why you go to these big SEC schools to play in environments like this and to be have an opportunity to to make uh, to make history. And uh, with this being a top ten game, you know, it's going to be a lot of emphasis on this game. A lot of people watching. Um, I just feel like, from a player standpoint, it doesn't really get better than that. Uh, to go into the road as a hostile environment that really makes your team come together even more because it's kind of like it's you against everybody else. And, you know, they're going to have way more fans than we have because it's their home stadium. So, you know, when you when you go like that and when you play closer together, so it's an opportunity to go in there and, uh, and get a win. And I just feel like this is a great opportunity for this team. 
uh, to go in there. They're playing on a high cylinder right now. Uh, we've been doing a lot of great things well over the last couple of weeks. We've got momentum right now. So it's going to be an interesting game. You know, with Florida losing their starting quarterback a couple of weeks ago, the backup hasn't done bad. You know, he's actually played pretty good. So, you know, we know their defense is pretty good. So it's going to be an interesting game. You know, I was speaking to Bo's father, Bo Nix's father, Patrick Nix, and I was actually talking to Frank Sanders, you know, about that 94 game. And then, of course, oh, their yeah, thought the yeah, yeah. Um, and, and talk a little bit about Seth Williams and Bo Nix and Frank. Frank may know no if ands or buts about it. He just brought it up because they they remind me so <laughs> much of myself and Pat. And he said, I yeah. think those two guys could be better than us. And Patrick said, I agree with that. He goes, in fact, I think Bo, my son, is already better than I ever was. Um, what? Patrick, Patrick, Patrick is a really good quarterback. I that's what I'm saying. I didn't want to go, hey, <laughs> call him out on his BS or something, you know, about his own son. Like, hey, come on, man, you're not, you're better than your son right now. But um, I think that the the potential for those two was Seth and Bo and them growing together has got to be through the roof, right? I mean, you you had some amazing receivers yourself, um, but but these two guys. It seems like every week there's a little little something new. They they just seem to be on the same page at all times. They just know where each other are at the field at the same time. That's so important. Right. I I think uh, I think the thing with them is, you know, I I did these highlights of uh, Frank Sanders making that catch earlier today when Patrick threw the ball. I've seen it like a hundred times, but you know, with this game being such a big game, and then it's actually Patrick Nick's son that's kind of going back to the swamp. And then Seth Williams' number is just – he's 18 and Frank was 81, you know, so it kind of, like, makes a lot of sense. And uh, but I think those two guys can have that kind of chemistry. Um, like I said, Bo was a really good – I mean, uh, Stan, I'm saying uh, – Patrick was a really good quarterback um, in his own right at Auburn. You know, the only thing that Bo probably does more and does better than he did is running the football. You know, with the ball in his hands, he might be a little bit faster and a little bit quicker in that area. But, um, you know, from a throwing aspect, you know, um, Patrick was really – he's really persistent and ha- had a really good accuracy. So, I feel like any time that – it's kind of like you saw Patrick throw that ball up to Frank. He gave him an opportunity to come down with it. And it kind of reminded me of the Oregon game with uh, Bo. Bo threw the ball up to Seth and just gave him an opportunity to come down with it to win the game. And that's all you can ask is the receivers, your quarterback, to give you an opportunity, give you a chance. And then that comes from belief and confidence and – I think early on, if I look across the receiving board, Seth Williams was probably the first receiver to build that kind of chemistry with Bo because it is a height thing. It is a, a, a comfortable thing for a young quarterback to, to believe in an older receiver to go up and make those catches for you, knowing I can throw it up his one-on-one and he's going to come down with it. He did the same thing last week with Sam Canella, who's another kind of tall kid on the right side of the sideline. He threw a ball up to him and trusted him to go up and make a catch. And uh, You know, early in the season – you know, they may have missed the one or two, but now they start to gain some chemistry. And then um, with Swartz now back in the midst with his speed, I think that's going to even, you know, give him opportunity to run by people on, on the vertical passing game. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a great opportunity for, for Seth and to, for Bo to have the kind of uh, chemistry that uh, Patrick and uh, Frank had. Have you seen anybody comparable to Anthony Schwartz as far as speed in your life? Ooh, the only person I've seen in close uh, to that is Jacoby Ford. Uh, mm-hmm. Played with me with the with the Raiders. Um, you know, Jacoby was a guy who had to let the ball go kind of early sometimes. You know, 
you know, I knew once he was even, he was going to lead a DB at least three or four yards. Yeah. So kind of put it out there and let those guys go get it. And, uh, and even on kick returns, he was such a dangerous threat on kick returns. He would set us up in good field position. And, uh, so the only closest person I've seen to that, that height and size and speed is Jacoby Ford. I played with the Raiders. You know, you got something special in, uh, Anthony Schwartz when you're running jet sweep to the boundary inside the 15 yard line and he's able to run in untouched. That, that is, that is something, man. Yeah. That's something that scares defenses because, and when you look at Auburn's offense now, it's like, okay, when number five is in the game, he comes in motion. We got to put eyes on him. And because, you know, if you if you one second too late, you know, with his kind of speed, that's a touchdown. And uh, as Texas A&M found out, you know, two weeks ago, you know, when he had that big, big running score. So that also helps out now. It helps out Bo and Whitlow and who they're playing running back because now when you go to bring Schwartz in motion, they don't know if they're going to hand it to him or they're going to play action and throw it to him. And then also now you got to worry about are they going to, are the quarterback and running back going to try to read the end or the linebacker or the tackle and quarterback keeping the ball. So it's a lot of things now going through the defensive mindsets where they got to really hone in. They have to be like very disciplined. If you, if you undisciplined, like Mississippi State was in a lot of ways, you're going to get a lot of points scored on you pretty quick. And, uh, of course, our defense did a good job giving our offense early great field position in that game. But still, though, they didn't stop us on the first five drives, and it wasn't even close. And uh, because you can tell their, their minds were kind of spinning a little bit on, like, what do we stop, What do we? how do we defend? Yeah, and State, you know, I was told by one of, the, one of our insiders that, you know, Auburn checked about 50% of their plays – from the press box and the sideline and state rarely ever tried to adjust. And when you're not adjusting to your, the offense's adjustments and you already got all that eye candy, you're in a deep, deep, deep hole. Um, And state was in a deep hole from the start anyway. Right. Exactly. You can like when the offense adjusts, you better be ready to adjust. And, uh, and you can't just not adjust when you see, uh, see another team, you know, change of play. Like, I, you know, I didn't understand that. And, you know, my brother who went to Mississippi State yeah. played Astro on the 98 SEC team that went to the championship game against Tennessee. Yeah, so he was – With uh, Wayne Matkin and all them, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, he was the starting linebacker on that team. So, uh, so you know, that's a little history there for him and uh, us knowing, you know, knowing about Mississippi State. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of – kind of ironic and I'm pretty sure Florida is probably looking at them and saying well they didn't make any adjustments so you have to expect this week in Florida that they're going to try to make late stems and late adjustments um, you know against us so I'm pretty sure that's something that Gus is kind of preparing for you know I don't know how much you've been able to to see of Florida Um, you know their their defense is extremely athletic. These are guys that aren't necessarily the biggest on the defensive line, but they're fast. They're very athletic. They're getting C.J. Henderson back, apparently a cornerback. He's probably the best defensive back in the entire SEC. Um, it's going to be a little bit different for Bo Nix and, and that crew uh, on the road, not just because it's a road game, but against this type of defense. I would say it's probably the best defense they've faced, at least since Oregon, but maybe even better than Oregon, uh, just looking at the pieces yeah, they've got. The, I think it's probably the best defense they've faced, uh, you know, up to this point of the season. I'd say, you know, Oregon has some some guys that was 
you know, kind of fast secondary. So it's supposed to have been a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit better than what they, what they showed. Um, but I think first game always kind of throws people off a little bit. But I think for the speed standpoint, I think this is probably the fastest defense we've probably seen up to this point. Um, and I'm pretty sure for Florida, it's probably the best defense they've seen up to this point as well. So, you know, last week everyone was kind of expecting a smash-mouth game between us and Mississippi State, and it kind of ended up being total opposite. Uh, this week it may be the smash-mouth game that everyone anticipated a week ago. Um, you know, we got two really good defenses. Uh, you know, I take our defense, you know, up with anyone. Uh, the way our defensive front plays and the way our, our back end has started to play over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the young linebackers really grasping speed with Britt, you know, who's an older guy, but then you got Papo, who's a younger guy. So I feel like our defense is uh, is really coming into their own and hitting on the cylinders right now. So I feel like uh, this is going to be a, a defensive game. I do feel like it's not going to be a high-scoring game like last week. It's definitely going to be, you know, probably low 20s uh, type of game. But I expect this to be a, be a slobber knocker. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll put you on the spot. I mean, and, and you can say whatever <laughs> you want. Uh, it, is this defense as good, better, Worse than the 2004 defense? Ooh, it's hard to say because they got to go through a whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the most points our defense gave up that 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 whole year was probably the SEC championship game, or yeah. they scored 21 or whatever it was, 30. When they scored 20, 20 some points, low 20 some points, uh, and that was the first time all year that that had happened. You know, and up to that point, you know, like they pretty much were shutting a lot of folks down. And uh, both our offense was like top five, so offense and defense. So it's hard to say because right now I still say the 04 defense just because how they would still continue to shut people down from opening start of the season all the way throughout the season. Like I said, they have one game where we gave up over 20 points. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty outstanding to say. So I would say this defense is really, really good. Uh, they're close to being a dominant defense and one of the defenses to be remembered in Auburn history. But, uh, you know, there's still some things that we can get better at. Uh, I'm pretty sure Steele has talked about that before the Mississippi State game. It was about we're doing a really good job in a lot of areas, but we're not creating turnovers. So what happened in the Mississippi State game? They started to create turnovers. Got turnovers on special teams, got turnovers on defense, uh, getting after the ball. So 
you know, now you add that element to it, now it, it really becomes a really solid defense because that's what our defense of 04 is really good at, was getting interceptions and getting uh, fumbles and, and, and everything. And that what makes your defense exceptional when you can create more opportunities for your offense on short fields. This schedule is incredibly difficult. We all know that. I mean, Auburn, including Florida, the Florida game, four top ten teams remaining on the schedule, two away from home, and, of course, Georgia and Alabama to, to close the season out. How do you feel about Auburn down the stretch here uh, after starting 5-0, and and now it's uh, – I mean, it's just a murderer's row. Well, I always tell people, you know, you win October to give your chest, yourself a chance for November. And uh, November gives you the opportunity to play for championships. And uh, I feel like, you know, this is a huge game this week. You take on one game at a time. And uh, you can, we, we get by this game on Saturday. And then I, I feel like our next biggest task is the LSU game. And you can get by that game. I feel like you get by that game and then you got the next two big rival games in our backyard. And, you know, last time that happened was, what, two years ago. And uh, you saw how our kids showed up and showed out at home. You know, they faced two number ones back to back in weeks. So, uh, you know that. Uh, so I feel comfortable having those two games in our backyard. But like I said, I think the gauntlet part of our schedule right now is: can we get through the Florida and the LSU games on the road? Huge games coming up. Jason Campbell, host of the Believe in Auburn Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can go check that out. Go search for it uh, on iTunes and any of those services. And, of course, he's a legendary Auburn quarterback, led Auburn to an undefeated season, um, as we all remember. And uh, you guys should be national champions, right? <laughs> yeah, we should be. You know, I had an argument all the time. Uh, I don't know why people let it be vacant. I said there was a deserving team. And uh, – you know, maybe one day Auburn will claim it. You know, Alabama has claimed so many of them, we don't even know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, one day that'll happen. You know, we'll see. But, yeah, people can find us at uh, B-L-E-A-V.com uh, and uh, look for Jason Campbell, Taylor, Beth Davis uh, podcast. And I'm also on Instagram as well, J, J. Campbell 17 So uh, people want to find out sometime, put the show of the details on there and when it'll be playing sometimes so as well all right guys make sure and follow jason if you're not already jason great conversation appreciate you jumping on i appreciate it enjoyed it thank you